Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we sit down with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and discuss how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. Um, We have a special episode and a special couple episodes coming up uh, for the future where you're going to be talking about uh, worship and talking about uh, singing uh, specifically. Um, But I'm your host, Michael, uh, co-host, and I have my other co-host, Eric. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great. And we have a special guest, and she will be a special guest for the next couple episodes, and that is Blair. Blair, introduce yourself. Hi. How are you? Doing great. (laughs) Doing great. Um, Blair is our music coordinator at our church. She does a great job uh, leading leading the singing every Sunday. Um, we want to differentiate between singing and worship because we're going to get into the nitty-gritty specifics right. of all this um, uh, for the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, for, so for the next three, four podcasts, uh, we're going to be talking about singing um, and how that is um, just something special and unique um, that we see in the church I know, Eric, you're going to talk a little bit about that today, um, but we wanted to make sure that Blair, who is a lot more and more musically gifted than Eric and I both, um, was on here to uh, give us her words of words of wisdom and her experience um, in this realm. So um, the first question we're going to ask um, from a just talking about this aspect of singing and in worship uh, is why do we sing? Um, it's the first question there. Yeah, thank, thanks for starting there. I think that's the that's a question that we would almost take for granted. The, the reality is that for several centuries in, in what we think of as the Dark Ages, singing was gone in worship, at least for the participants of worship. There were no uh, acts of participation. You would come to church and you would watch as the, the Mass was, was uh, performed. And so in the early church, you see, I mean, there's— uh, they're singing. It's a part of worship. That's a part of Old Testament worship. Um, and and yet the reason that um, I wanted to talk about this today, I think if you come into a church nowadays, you might take for granted the fact that what we're doing is, is somewhat unusual in the world. Mm-hmm. There's really no other place that you go where you're going to walk in and people are singing together and their voices are the most important Part, in other yeah. words, Blair's not up there performing. When you go to a concert, people might sing along, but you're there to listen to that singer, that performer, mm-hmm. um, and so it's kind of an unusual thing. So we think about uh, those who don't come from a Christian background come to a church and you hear people singing, um, and so the reason I wanted to talk about this is because singing has such an important element mm-hmm. to transform us and has the capacity to do that. Um, and so I begin by saying that in the Protestant Reformation, singing by the participants of worship is a is an anchor point for both John Calvin and Martin Luther. And it's an anchor point because of this doctrine, which is basically um, rediscovered, and that's the concept of the priesthood of all believers. And so someone comes to worship, they're not waiting or listening for the priest standing up front to declare a Gregorian chant, um, they're actually lifting their voices. Um, 
In fact, Calvin, John Calvin fought very hard for the rights of people to sing in worship, which you think, why did he have to fight for that? Mm-hmm. Was well, because it was so absolutely abnormal by the time you get to the, the 1500s. Um, and so I think that's worth mentioning. But to the, to the bigger question, the why do we sing, uh, we need to recognize that it is we sing, number one, because God is worthy of our song. Mm-hmm. And the, the scripture is full of a testimony to that, right? Um, Psalm 95 uh, commands us to, hang on, I've got it right here. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And Psalm 96 does uh, something very, very similar as well. It actually, um, in, in, the, in, the, in the 95, 96 to 100 range of the Psalms, you get, a lot of repetition about the command to sing. You know, before I started wearing reading glasses, I didn't have any trouble with this kind of thing. <laughs> now I have a little trouble. But um, Psalm ninety-six declares a very uh, a very similar thing, and so you get um, you get a command to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, uh, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name, proclaim His salvation mm-hmm. day from day mm-hmm. to day. Um, there's a, there's another section of psalms from Psalm 111 to 118 that were called the Hallel Psalms, and those psalms uh, are psalms of ascent. And when you talk about psalms of ascent, what you're really talking about is the people are, are marching up to Jerusalem, and as they march up to Jerusalem, they were singing these psalms as they went to Jerusalem to worship mm-hmm. at the Passover. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I know when when I've preached on uh on, at Easter, I often mm-hmm. mention Jesus sings is singing Psalm one eighteen yep. the night he's crucified, and there's no question about it. Um, so those are so number one, he's worthy. This is yep. who he is. Number two, it's commanded. That's what the scripture says that we've just touched on. Um, and so many places in the scripture are we reminded of his worthiness. And of its command. So, Revelation four: Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Um, Revelation four eight: Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God mm-hmm. Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Um, Revelation fifteen: Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord, God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Now, why do I say that? Because we've got an Old Testament picture of worship, mm-hmm. and then we fast forward to an a, a glimpse of the eternal kingdom, and there's the there's the Lamb of God being worshipped. the The angelic beings are singing praises to a God who is worthy of worship. So when we say, "Why do we sing?" Well, we sing because He's worthy, and because it's commanded. Um, but part of the reason I wanted to have Blair here for this conversation is so important, is that there is aspects to this that. Um, I think are woven into the fabric mm-hmm. of creation that we need to touch on. So, Michael Blair just got back from the Sing Conference, mm-hmm. which is uh, Keith and Kristen Getty's conference that was in Nashville, and I wanted to ask her just to give us two or three kind of highlights of mm-hmm. things that she really learned and took from it, kind of like major takeaways from it. So, Blair, what would you what would you tell us? Yeah, so I just got back from the Sing Conference. It's this amazing Getty conference in Nashville, bringing together a lot of bands and speakers and pastors um, of the Reformed worship tradition. And 
thinking about three-ish points I think that I took away um I remember sitting in one of the breakout sessions from Sandra McCracken who I Mm. just love and we were singing holy 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 and she was talking about the importance of singing these sturdy hymns that hold us um or they actually remind us of God who holds us um but they're meant to drive us Mm. to remember of the God who has held us for years, um, for all of history. They've withstood history, withstood all of time, and they will withstand all of time because they are rooted in scripture. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, I was reminded of that as we were singing Holy Holy, and it's just this joining together of the heavenlies as... um, as the angels above are singing holy, holy, mm. holy, holy, holy around the throne room. And so, yeah, I just think there's such an importance of singing sturdy songs. Mm. And there's, I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about songs like that. Um, yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, what strikes me about that particular concept, the idea of a sturdy hymn, when, when we talk about wanting to sing hymns that are deeply rooted in Scripture, what Sandra McCracken's saying, which you're rightly reflecting on, is the fact that this is, um, this is something that is true, but is also spoken of with such boldness and confidence. Then you put that to song, and and the very fact that the participants are declaring these things, this is this is huge. Mm-hmm. What else? Tell us. Yeah, and I think with that, it gives words to things that we can't express. Mm-hmm. And as we were singing, holy, 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 I was like, whoa, this is exactly what we need to sing in an age where our world isn't holy, holy, holy. And we have to be (laughs) reminded um, of our God who is. And so, and especially in times when, yeah, we forget. So anyways, that was just really helpful um, to be reminded of and bringing that back to Christ's prayers and looking at forming a liturgy and a worship service and what songs can we sing and what songs are we already singing and what songs do we need to sing that are sturdy mm-hmm. and helpful for our congregation so anyways that was the first thing really major takeaway um i've also been thinking about how there was a huge emphasis on missions it was the great commission was the theme of the whole conference and even just beyond the concept of missions there's this idea that what we sing on Sunday needs to carry with mm-hmm. us to Monday and to the work that we do. And there's a lot of power in singing about the mission and also singing about the God of the mission. Mm-hmm. And um, we were doing a lot of that and singing a lot about the work that we do as servants um, and as laborers for the gospel. And, as melody is set to words communicated to yeah um yeah as melody is set to words to communicate something about the work we do it drives us to want to press into the work mm-hmm. um and so we sang songs like facing a task unfinished that drives us to our knees and just this idea that the task that we have as believers should drive us to our knees and it's empowering and it's beautiful. And I also thought of Lead on O King Eternal, which is goes in the first category of a sturdy hymn um, that drives us to the work. And I actually have the lyrics here. I can read it. It says, this is the third verse. It says, lead on, O King Eternal, we follow not with fears, for gladness breaks like morning, where'er, there, where, 
whoa, wherever thy face appears, thy cross is lifted over us. We journey in its light. The crown awaits the conquest. Lead on, O God of might. Mm -hmm. And so, and I just love that song. It's been a huge hymn in my life. And so to be able to sing that on Sunday and let that carry with us through the week, being reminded that the crown awaits the conquest. Um, And so we can serve and we can work and we can be driven for the great commission for um, the mission that God has placed before us. So there was just a huge emphasis on that and the conference that I ha- I think I've thought about, but I think I was just made more aware of. Um, and I think even going to that point, um, Eric, what you were saying at the beginning of, you know, someone who maybe is like a new believer walking into our church and wondering why do we do this? You know, that point I think really can hit home first um not necessarily the sturdiness they don't understand that this hymn is sturdy mm-hmm. right but that second point of this carrying us through the week like that is that is what establishing and you know maybe it is a little bit you know self-focused when we when we think about that but truly it does hopefully take the eyes from off ourselves to to the lord and so you know when a, when a new believer is coming into the church hopefully they're hearing these songs that yes are sturdy mm-hmm. and they'll learn that they're actually sturdy right but more than that they'll the the you know the the quicker response is that they realize these words truly do help them on their Tuesday yeah their Wednesday, so I, and their Friday and Michael I think that what what makes them what makes her second point about mission um, and 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 the fact that the sturdy hymn would lead us into that and here's the distinct difference right it is actually not very sturdy for me to sing a song that repeats my faithfulness to the Lord. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So so when she reads about lead on, O King Eternal, um, for gladness breaks like morning where'er your face appears, it, it, we're actually singing something about the presence and face of God. Um, we journey, the cross is lifted over us. We journey in its light. So immediately, it's not just the fact that Man, those are these are old hymns that must have been sung in some country Baptist churches. Mm. Uh, we're actually singing songs that have such rich lyrics, um, deeply rooted in the scriptures. But here's the thing that makes them carry over to the mission. And I, I don't know if um, if this is super obvious to the average person who walks into the church. It's the fact that we're not declaring ourselves to the Lord as lovers of Him, but we're declaring His character. Mm-hmm. Which has a huge part in the kind of songs we select mm-hmm. too, doesn't it? So I don't know how long. You know, I think you make a great point. How long does it take somebody to see that or yeah. know that? Yeah. But I do think there would be a really obvious feel mm-hmm. of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, to go over to, um, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. That is until Tuesday when somebody cuts me off on the road, <laughs> and I really hate that person yeah. more than I love the Lord. Yeah. Um, so these kind of hymns and songs are meant, I think, uh, to your point, Blair, to really carry us in a life mission. Mm-hmm. They, in that way, they also have a convicting element to yep. me personally. Yep. So anyway, go ahead with your third point. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's really helpful. They remind us of God's faithfulness when we are not faithful. Yep. And that's a very, <laughs> a very good and convicting thing. Um, so there was also a huge emphasis on beauty, which I thought was really interesting. It the one of the speakers and i honestly can't remember his name but he asked asked us to think about the beauty of not only the songs but the arrangements and is what we're doing 
beautiful because we were made in God's image and we were made to enjoy beauty. And beauty and yeah, the exact creativity of the arrangement isn't the focal point of the hymn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it actually can be stirring for our heart to make us long for the worship. Mm-hmm. And we don't strive towards emotionalism because that's bad and unhealthy, but there's a healthy emotional response. I like to call it a spiritual exhale in a way. Mm-hmm. We inhale God's word and God's truth through the preaching, and then we get to exhale it through song. Um, And so that just made me think a lot about what is beautiful about singing. There's melody, there's rhythm, there's dynamic. Um, And along with that, there's this idea that worship, the whole idea of worship is actually like a liturgical feast. And one time I heard, I think again, Sandra McCracken say this, um, that Christ is the host and we are his guests. And so we get to come into this feast of worship and feast on the Lord. And um, the thing about a feast is it's nourishment and it's good for the soul and we're filled physically, but we also get to delight and enjoy the feast that God has prepared for us. And so as, um, as the music coordinator and thinking about how does this play a role into the songs? Well, it can actually be a feast that you you chew and it's good for you, but you can also delight in. Mm-hmm. And so how does that affect how I plan an arrangement or how we um, plan worship on yeah. Monday? It's just, yeah, it's a really helpful point to think about. Um, we were made for beauty and creativity because yeah. God is creative um, and he made us to be creative too. And so it's... A really cool thing that as his guests at this feast that he's prepared for us we actually get to play a part in the creativity and the beauty that he has already created for us so anyways that was i've just been thinking a lot about that since last week um as he asked these questions of are you are you playing a part in this beauty that god is like asking you to walk into so one thing, you know, what makes that so helpful, it, in, especially for Presbyterians, I, you know, Blair, I would recognize even in asking you to kind of share those things, um, just the, the average person sitting in the church isn't uh, familiar with or isn't even thinking about some of those things. And it's important to realize that that part of the creation design is that we were made by God to appreciate things which are beautiful, right? The, the Garden of Eden was indicative of that. We can hardly even picture the sights and the sounds and the smells and the tastes mm. uh, and the richness of the beauty that's there. But also, when we're ta- when we read in the in the Book of Revelation about the new heavens and the new earth, we're brought exactly back to those kinds of things, and that is a, a an ability, a capacity uh, to enjoy the beauty of God the wonder of him with all of these senses and maybe even some that we don't can't yet relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think it, it sounds odd, you know, for a Presbyterian to think, uh, well, we should be looking for beauty in worship. Well, God is a, is a, is a being of beauty and glory. Um, and I don't mean, you know, I think we need to be very careful when we were talking about beauty, we're really talking about richness and fullness and wonder and splendor and majesty and all of these elements but those can be found in song, right? Um, and so to that point, it, this 
in her in in Blair's point about inhale exhale right God's designed us to be able to respond to him so when we're talking about the feast uh, we were talking offline about the fact that really what's happening in a reformed worship service a presbyterian worship service is that we're using and this goes back to our belief in the what we call the regulative principle of worship we only use the elements in worship that God has has ordained that we should use. We don't create new ones. Um, and so when we talk about a feast, um, we need to think about the fact that Jesus has laid on this buffet table, in a sense, song. He's laid on it confession of faith, confession of sin, repentance, prayer, uh, the preaching of God's word, the word read, uh, even a call to worship, things like that, sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. All of those are a part of that great feast by which we're participating in. And and to sing is one of those aspects of it. It's such an important thing. Um, but I always talk about this in my inquirers class when I'm explaining what's going on in worship. Worship really is a dialogue that God speaks and we respond, and God speaks and we respond. And sometimes the response is in song. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it is, you know, in just reciting a uh, passage of Scripture back or a confession of faith back or uh, even a prayer that we've uh, put together and, and used for many years. Um, but this concept of it being a delight to the soul, I think, I think what I w- would want us to recognize is that very often in Presbyterian contexts, people will think of coming to church as an engagement uh, in the brain only, mm-hmm. right? And Blair and I were reading a book over the summer. It's a it was by my, a seminary professor of mine, Brian Chapel, and uh, he wrote a book called Christ Centered Worship. He's more known for his book Christ Centered Preaching. Um, he was one of my preaching professors, but he points out in one of the consequences of making worship primarily about knowledge or uh, making the sanctuary a lecture hall. He says one of the negative things there um, is that when you make it a, a lecture hall. You're training believers to become reflective about the gospel and worship and tempting them to believe that right worship is simply about right thought. In other words, uh, and I think this is why that matters so much, when we sing, we're actually engaging not just the ears but the mouth, but God's designed it with that beauty element that Blair's just mentioned so that as we engage our mouth, we are we are, by virtue of God's creation design, engaging our brains and our hearts mm-hmm. and our bodies and our souls. Um, so there's uh, that's the reason when we come to the book of Revelation, there's song all over the place, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of good answers of, of why we worship, um, why we sing. Well, maybe not. I mean, we, we know why we why, we know why we sing now, you know, why, why, um, we specifically do it. And, you know, it is because God is worthy and because he commands it. Blair, do you have anything else to add or anything like that? Or Yeah, no, I just think, I think it's so utterly important again, as you were saying, like, because it's, it's so utterly, it's strange and yet it's so important for us to know because God does command it. Mm-hmm. And I think we can just be thankful for the gift um 
it's so cool that we have a God who actually demands us to sing to him, which is a beautiful thing to do Mm -hmm. Um, because he's been singing. He sang over all of creation when he created the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And now we get to join with him and we get to join with creation and sing to him and respond to him. And I love all creatures of our God and King lift up your voice and Mm -hmm. let us sing. Mm -hmm. And just this joining of joining that together. And so when we're aware of our need to sing and when we're aware of why we sing, it makes our, it warms our hearts actually to sing Mm -hmm. as a congregation. And so it's just really important to talk about and, uh, and it can also be a prayer of Lord, help us to be aware of our need for you as we sing and warm our hearts to you as we do. Um, especially in a congregational setting. Um, There's something so cool about a church singing and it's almost like we're, um, we're declaring something about God and then the church is raising up and proclaiming something against the world Mm -hmm. and against the forces of evil. And we get to do that together. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's gold right there. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you think about the fact that the, that when we join together, our voices, I, I don't remember when I, I stumbled across this in, in uh, I think it was in the book of Exodus, but one of the applications that I have driven home and want our people to know is that is that singing is neither masculine nor feminine, but it is absolutely feminine and it's absolutely masculine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that because I don't want a guy to come, oh, mother singing, and I don't like to sing, I don't have a very good voice. <laughs> That's my frat daddy voice, by the way. Um, but I want people to come in and go, this is the most masculine thing I could possibly do. And, and to Blair's point, we're actually declaring the truth of God against the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and not as if the world's our enemy, but that Jesus wins. He, he conquers and triumphs. I, I just recognize that, that the reality is we are declaring truth. Mm-hmm. And, and when we engage our voices to do that, um, we're joining with angelic uh, beings yeah. who are declaring this. And the church drives forward into the world. It's just a, it's a really beautiful picture for yeah. singing. So, Michael, uh, I mean, this kind of, we've covered a lot in a general way. Yeah. But we want to come back over the next several um, sessions and talk about more about worship, more about singing. Um, next time we come together, we'll talk about, like, how Blair and I prepare. Yeah. And what goes into the elements of of preparing a worship service? It's not just me. It's not just Blair. There's others involved, and we yeah. want to talk about that. We'll come to how we want to encourage uh, our worshipers to be preparing themselves, mm-hmm. um, and then we want to talk in that in that in a, another podcast too about some of the very specifics about very uh, powerful and useful hymns that we sing. Yeah. We're going to talk about some of what's there. The very those, sturdy hymns. Those sturdy that hymns. Are beautiful. We'll come back to those sturdy, yes. beautiful hymns. hymns yeah. That's exactly right. So um, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. one thing I wanted to, I wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of worship being a gift, you know, or of singing being a gift. Um, worship is obviously a gift, but singing being a gift, and hopefully that can definitely encourage us to to be more appreciative of it. Um, so. Yeah. I. This is just a. Side note, um, I remember one time I was at a different conference, not the same conference, and one of the speakers said, "We're every Sunday is a rehearsal for the wedding feast mm. um, when we, we will sing for the rest of eternity. And so as we approach 
the throne <laughs> every Sunday in congregational worship, um, we get to approach it as a rehearsal for the wedding feast mm-hmm. to come. And so if that doesn't empower us as a church, um, then I don't know what does. Yeah. So anyways. Absolutely. Thank you both. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Um, we will catch all of you all in the next one. Thanks for listening. <laughs>